It's May 6th, 2021. This is Rock. is an Iranian former engineer and chiropractic doctor who has become a martial arts mentor and is setting his sights on introducing the world to Persian yoga. Kashi Azad is an Australian Iranian who is teaching the art and physical practice of the ancient Iranian Pahlavani sport in Sydney and he's growing a global following online. Kashi has created a Zurkhune and teaches the most ancient living art of strength and physical culture on our planet. He's now coined it Persian Yoga and he joins us from Australia to explain a feature interview with Kashi Azad coming up. This is conversations from to and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode number 108 of Rook Sadohasht, Kian, in Farsi. That's Sadohasht. Merci. Hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Salam, Dustan Aziz. Oh, Mivar Hastam, Kehub, Vamizun Hastin. Okay. So many inside jokes that only people who've listened to 107 episodes before this one. We'll understand what, what's going on here. We are on an ongoing mission, folks, to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We're coming to you on SoundCloud, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Telegram. Uh, we are accumulating followers from around the world. You know what I say to that? <laughs> Good job. Good job, kids. <laughs> Uh, let that be a lesson to you, Bachaha, out there. When you're celebrating something, you say Chemas Karanat, the only word that can truly explain what you're feeling. Um, coming up, Kashi Azad, Chashayar, I guess would be his, uh, what a great name Kashi is, a short yeah. form. Although he actually goes by Persian Yoga. That's the name of his site and the name of his Instagram handle. And, and he's created this kind of a little phenomenon coming out of Australia where he's teaching Pahlavani sport uh, and practicing it. Uh, we'll get into what that means and the Zulkhune and the tradition of it. And uh, But he's coined it Persian yoga, which I think is pretty snappy. It's a good mm. way to get people. Do you know what this is? Zulkhune? Like that, uh, yeah, it's that ancient kind Did of Did you like know manly... before you knew he was coming on the show? And you, I've heard we, about it, but yeah. I don't know the details and the I, history of it. I feel like you would get into this. Get into this? Yeah, I feel, I feel like you'd be it's, into the Zulkhune stuff. No, it's, the sport. It's, it's no? too manly in my view. Well, You know, I try to keep the feminine strength. side as much as you look at me like a boy. That's the, I don't look at you as, I, I, I look at you as a dear friend. The fabulous Keon. Yes, Not just fabulous, the fabulous yes, Keon. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's your introduction, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Groovy Shaya. Salam. Salam. Khubi. Khubi. Naz. Mecha. 
Hello, Captain Rez. Hello, sir. Oh, let, let me let me just say something about Captain Rez. Oh, oh my what God. now? There's so I, much to say. I, I can barely think. I can barely think because this place stinks of Kubi Dare right now. For non-Iranians oh, out there, man. there's a you know there's some things that may repel you from our homes. The yeah. the ongoing odor of ikorma sabzi, Ooh. despite how delicious the food is, mm-hmm. may for some people be off-putting. But I have never realized how annoying the smell of kubide can be. <laughs> Until Captain Reza has apparently got a suitcase full of it in the kitchen here. I mean, you. I could smell it from the parking lot. I was you like, guys are both <laughs> jealous because you can go both dieting. You can't There's have sh- any. Uh, no and one's dieting. Vow. We're yeah. intermittent fasting. Exactly. I can eat it. There should be a rule. Not like if someone's going to have kubida, everyone's going to have kubida. That's right. Because it is atrocious. Uh, and is oh, no. Smell? And by the way, and this is, I mean, we're in the window where I can eat something. <laughs> yeah. I saw it there. And yeah, then yeah. I see uh, Reza and, and, and Savvy, you know, Savvy Roham chowing down on the, the kubida. <laughs> Did they offer it to anybody else? No. Of course not. No, and, and by and it's like the the reason you smell so much of it is there's piles of it. There's just piles of like uh, they bought the store. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Like the other tenants in the building are gonna probably. Call this the is why people have a bad impression of Iranians. This is exactly. It's that. not geopolitics. It's not it's the, the, the repressive Islamic regime. No. It's that you know if an Amazon per, you know say that some friendly Amazon woman yeah. is like delivering a package three doors down from us they're gonna be like what is going on in there thanks a lot you gave Roke media a really bad name <laughs> no we it, it was a, it was a democratic decision uh we amongst uh, who amongst who Rohan. was part of the <laughs> democracy <laughs> Roham suggested it he was like do you want to get food I'm like sure he's like what about Shia I'm like yeah he, I'm sure he was he's oh, like, what about, Shia yeah, you're he, in on this uh, I haven't had it but I will have it oh after. I see <laughs> that's <laughs> why okay and then he asked so me so basically just me and Keon <laughs> don't know no. Me, he was like, What about Gian? I'm like, He's doing the in- intermittent fasting thing. He's, I don't think he's gonna eat anything, yeah. So, he that was doesn't like, mean we can't <laughs> eat, but that's that's exactly what it means. No, it does. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's intermittent, it's not ongoing fasting. Okay. Without it, I'm not Gandhi in his final <laughs> days dying on a hunger strike. I'm trying to, you know, I, I'm uh, this is a form of health where yeah. we. Where we, I mean, uh-huh. Keon and I, yeah. you know, uh, my sister Keon you know, here. Speaking yeah. of Kahramans over here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I don't even like Kubida that much. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> that the, uh, the building that you're in and those around us, those driving by in cars with windows sealed, <laughs> will disagree. Uh, uh, they'll think you do like it because, uh, oh boy. Sky. Listen, speaking of which, if... Uh, if you like, <laughs> here's the segue. If you like Kubide, please become a patron of Rook. <laughs> For five or ten, if you're a regular listener of our program, uh, keep the dream alive. Keep young Keon, uh, keep the, the shine in her eyes alive. For a dollar a day, you can make <laughs> this child grow. <laughs> the, truth is, the truth is we do depend on you guys out there. Uh, go to our website, rookmedia.com, and press on Support Us, and that's where you can become a patron for five dollars a month or ten dollars a month we really appreciate it hey in the coming days on rook rastock is going to be the 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 great iranian uh, uh group that's committed to sort of 
exploring, celebrating, and rehabilitating uh, songs of uh, different cultures of Iran. Mm. So, uh, Azeri and uh, Kurdi, Kurd- for songs from Kurdistan, and, and um, Gilaki, yeah. and Gila, yeah, all, uh, you know, they're such an interesting group. And so, Shai has been pulling uh, uh, different kind of music for me to listen to and get yeah. ready for this. And I'm, so, I'm actually very excited to speak to Rastok. I think we're going to have three of them, uh, the main members, Seo uh, Mack and Farzad and Dina, on, on the same time. Uh, on Monday on our program, Shirin Nasseri will uh, make her Rook debut, uh, a feature interview with her, the broadcaster and dancer, former Manotour personality. Excited to have Shirin on. Mehrdad Isfandi coming up, the production designer at Disney Animation. Dr. Angie Sadiqi will share her story and tell us why she's an advocate of plant-based diets, Kian. So the opposite of Kubi there. I think that's, yeah, exactly, exactly. And also Rana Mansour coming on our program as well in the coming days on Rook. Hey, tomorrow night on Clubhouse, uh, 8 p.m. Tomorrow night being Friday night, if you're listening to this on Friday, it's today. Uh, If you're listening to this (laughs) on Saturday, too late. Uh, Tomorrow night, Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern in Toronto, New York, that time zone. Uh, Do Iranians respect the creative class? Mm-hmm. The, the creative mm. class being artists, artists. Uh, filmmakers, musicians. Shia, I think you're going to have some things to say about this. Yes, <laughs> maybe, maybe I be silent all day. <laughs> <laughs> even, even I, I told you before that even right now that I I've made a career in music and some people know me. Even now, sometimes my let's say mom would say that exactly exactly so we'll discuss that tomorrow night on Clubhouse if you're around do join us Rook Media and all of us are at uh, Clubhouse under our our names you can find us there All right, uh, Captain Reza strap yourself in uh, uh, and uh, Groovy Shia the fabulous Kiam we'll see you guys in a little bit let's get to our feature interview you know, to visit his popular social media presence is to see a modern-day Adonis with long hair, a mystical vibe, and a toned frame that would match any contemporary fitness star in the world. But my feature guest today has dedicated his life to learning and teaching the most ancient living art of strength and physical culture on our planet. It is called Pahlavani Sport, the unique physical conditioning art originating from ancient Persia. Kashi Azad is an instructor of Pahlavani, but also a chiropractic doctor, an electrical engineer, and an MBA graduate. Of course, these days, he's known more to folks around the world as simply Persian yoga. Kashi was born in Shiraz, moved to Sweden with his family and grew up there, spent much of his life training, competing, and coaching as a martial artist before relocating to Australia. He is a certified group exercise and personal trainer and a boxing coach. He is also the owner of PersianYoga.com, based in Sydney, Australia, and right now. Kashi Azad joins us from Sydney today. Hello, sir. Uh, hi, Gian. It's very nice to be with you and uh, with your viewers and listeners. Hello to you all. It's a great pleasure. Uh, you know, I have to start. Your name is Kashi, but you're quite modest about it. Your Instagram page, your YouTube channel, everything is simply just called Persian Yoga. So do I call you Kashi or do I call you Persian Yoga? <laughs> well, yeah, my name is Khashoyar, and uh, my friends call me Kashi, or in the West where people can't pronounce my name, I had to shorten it. So 
Cash is uh, what I go by these days. And uh, yeah, Persian yoga is uh, my passion. Persian yoga is uh, my uh, great vision and ambition to share with the whole world, you know. Initially, when I started that journey, I didn't want to make it about me. I wanted to make it clear that, uh, you know, this is not like a cult of me, you know. Right, right. Well, I mean, you, I, I must say, as we start this off, you are, uh, when you were originally pitched to, for the show, um, and I looked you up and I thought, this is fascinating. This guy in Australia, fascinating character, a Persian guy who was in Sweden, is now in Australia, is teaching and practicing an ancient form of Persian fitness. Do you marvel at how your life has taken you to Sydney to become this guru of Persian traditions? Well, uh, firstly, I got to say, I don't see myself as a guru and um, I don't have those type of uh, beliefs about it. I'm simply sharing what I love, you know, and I really sincerely love this beautiful ancient art and there's so much to it, you know, and uh, I started the journey with it in 2007 and I'm, uh, you know, everyday learning and everyday benefiting and growing from this art in many, many ways, not just the physical. But uh, yeah, look, uh, we are today where we are based on the choices that we have made uh, in our lives, you know, and the choices that I've made have brought me here and I'm in a happy place. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be doing what I'm doing. I feel myself very fortunate and blessed to, uh, you know, be able to pursue my passion, you know. That's very beautifully said. And and I mentioned in the introduction, you're also an MBA, you're an electrical engineer, you're a chiropractor. Um, are you are you an overachiever or were you just very indecisive for a few years? <laughs> I think uh, I think uh, the second is more true <laughs> because like, uh, you know, the reason I went into electrical engineering and the reason I, got, I went into business was the wrong reason. And the wrong reason was money. I went into those fields to make money. Money is a numbers game, you know, and numbers never end. So the more you chase money, the more you keep chasing. Hmm. And it just becomes this race uh, that at the end of it just leaves you burned out with nothing to show for. I mean, what's, yeah, it was probably more of a process of elimination and a process of a little bit of trial and error because that's what life is. You know, we get, we get this opportunity, we make our choices when we got to stick with our manifestations, whether they are glorious or tragic, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be in a position to say that I've made some mistakes, I've learned from them, I've grown from them, and I'm in a place where I want to be. Do you think the money piece has something to do with us being Persian? I mean, uh, it, it's it's an obvious uh, stereotype we often talk about on this show about uh, Persian parents wanting their kid to become a doctor or engineer, uh, but do, were you feeling that kind of pressure? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was pretty much like the stereotypical firstborn Persian son, you know, that I was expected to be a doctor or an engineer. And I'm very rebellious by nature, you know, so I was rebelling against my father saying that, no, I'm not going to become a doctor. I'm going to become an engineer. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, like, I'm not going to go with you. What a I'm rebel. What a rebel. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, but 
Yeah, at the end of it, I became a doctor anyway. So, <laughs> you, in the end, you became both. I mean, it's just like a, and you gave that up, which I think is admirable. Let me come back to your your life journey, but try and um, understand some of the terms that we're using here, because what you do is called Persian yoga. By the way, very smart branding. I, maybe you're not after the dollars right now, but it's uh, as soon as I heard Persian yoga, I thought, oh, what's Persian yoga? What are we doing here? It seems to be more about doing um, what we know as Pahlavani sport, Vajisha Pahlavani, uh, in the ways that men used to do it in Iran and in what is called the Zurkhune, the Zurkhane, the, the house of strength. Why did you decide to use the term Persian yoga or is it something different from Pahlavani? Uh, no, it's Pahlavani. I was taught Vajisha Pahlavani uh, by great masters of the art, the Morshed in Iran, like Morshed Bojati, Morshed Hanahi, Morshed Mehregan, like, and to name a few of them, you know, and uh, I owe them so much for teaching me this beautiful art. Uh, but Persian Yoga is my business name. And as, as you said, it's a marketing uh, tool that I use. It's a brand that I'm trying to build uh, to bridge this cultural gap because uh, early on in my journey, I was referring to it as Zurkhane, as uh, Pahlavani, and that kind of like really goes over the head of many people, you know, right, right. Uh, especially in the West and that because that's where I live now and, uh, you know, Although Australia is in the southeast, but and anyway, it's in the West sure, culturally. Sure. Yeah. So it, it kind of like created a barrier, you know. And I, I think communication and success and integration and uh, breaking down—it's all about breaking down these barriers. And that's why even I changed my name to Kashi because people couldn't pronounce my name, you know. And the, the focus becomes trying to pronounce Hashoyar rather than trying to get the message that I'm trying to bring to you, you know? So I had to uh, be innovative. And um, also, to be honest, it wasn't that huge of an innovation because when you get into the practice and when you understand the um, uh, physical culture and the arts of Pahlavani, you realize that it is, in essence, it's yoga. And then we got to kind of define what is yoga and uh, the word for yoga is a Sanskrit word deriving from the word yuj, which means to unify, to yoke, to bring together, you know. Mm -hmm. And Varzasha uh, Pahalavani or um, the Pahalavani arts do that magnificently. And they do that with great strength, tremendous right, right. strength. Well, I'm glad that you, I mean, first of all, I, I thank you for the candor. You're, you're using Persian uh, yoga because it's good for branding. It is. It makes sense. Um, so, and, and also, I, I, it, you're absolutely right that if you, uh, if you come to Canada and start promoting Pahlavani or Zurkhunez, uh, most people will just look at you wondering what the hell you're talking about, uh, given that you're in a largely non-Iranian country. For those who don't know, therefore, how do you, let's take it one at a time, how do you explain Pahlavani? sport well palavoni is the art of strength is the physical practice of ancient persian knights iranian i should say it's more correct to say iranian knights iranian warriors you know iranian palavons was a title that it was given to these um, you know magnificent people it's their art and it's their curriculum 
as it's been taught in the Zulkhane, which is another word. I mean, a lot of people confuse the two. They say Pahlavani and Zulkhane. Zulkhane is the place where you practice Pahlavani. Right, right. Zulkhane is the place. And I mean, I grew up in the West. I, I had no idea up until literally about three years ago what a Zulkhane was. And there's one that's opened here um, in the north of Toronto. Uh, so I was quite, I was shocked. What's a Zulkhane? What, you know, my Persian friends who had come from Iran would sort of laugh at it that I didn't know. But it, how would you describe it? It's basically, it is like a gym, right? But it's an area where you gather to work out, right? Essentially, yes, the Zulkhana is the world's oldest privatized gym, like a world's oldest, you know, privately owned and operated fitness center, if you want to call it like that, right? Uh, it's more than that, though, you know, it's, it's where in ancient times, it, it, where you would undergo this education and curriculum to become a Pahlavan, that the, the king of Iran would go to the Zulkhana and would select from these palavans like the strong guys to be his bodyguards to be his messengers you know to be his henchmen basically you know his warriors and so on and um, there's a very interesting historical uh, uh, figure Adashir Babakan Shah and Shah Adashir Babakan is the Sasanian uh, king of kings that he actually by decree made it a law for all men to undergo this education at one point in time. But this has obviously evolved throughout the uh, ages and today has been passed down to us in the tradition that they uh, maintain in the Zulkhane. And in, as I mentioned before, Zulkhane is the place, is the house of strength. It's right. actually a temple. If you look at the structure, they're magnificent. It's like dome-shaped buildings with an octagonal pit in the center. It's like, imagine you're going to like a church or a temple or a mosque and you're praying, but in the Zulkhana, you're praying by performing, it's a physical prayer. Right. It's a physical prayer for strength in a way, you know, it's very beautiful. The historical tradition of it is one thing. The fact that it, it has sustained the way it has is also fascinating. I mean, based on info from, from UNESCO, Vazesh uh, Pahlavani is uh, Pahlavani sport is among the world's longest running forms of fitness training. So, why do you think Pahlavani traditions have lasted as long as they have? Because it produces results. It works. I mean, the sophistication and the simplicity at the same time of this art is astounding. It, it simply works, and it has worked and been proven to work throughout the test of time. It's withstood the test of time. And it's proven to produce results where it matters the most when it comes to physical strength. And that's on the battlefield. You know, if you consider the history of Iran, we have been, when I say we, I'm mean talking about Iran, you know, uh, Iran has been invaded time and time again. Yes. But time and time again, the Iranian Pahlavans have ousted the invaders and we regained our independence and what's very fascinating and this is probably connected to the Pahlavani culture but it's more of a Persian or Iranian identity is that we have maintained our culture pretty much homogeneously throughout, throughout this millennia you know throughout these uh, you know tumultuous invasions 
And what's very fascinating to me is that often the invaders adopted our culture. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, this is a testament not to just the resilience of uh, the culture in itself, but speaking specifically about Pahlavani, it's a testament to its efficacy and uh, effectiveness, you know, basically. What does, I mean, I go to the gym uh, and uh, I do resistance training and, and I uh, go running on and I, and I use the treadmill and elliptical and then I do some weights. What does Persian yoga offer me, strictly in terms of fitness, that I wouldn't get at a modern Western gym? Okay, there is uh, different paths to the same destination. So you got to find what really works for you. What really attracts me to uh, Pahlavani is the integration of the multiple physical attributes and qualities and skills that uh, you need. And uh, I just got to say that you need all. You need to hone and be good at all your physical aspects, attributes, and skills to survive in the battlefield. You know, you can't just be strong. You can't just be fast. You can't just be flexible or have good uh, coordination or agility or balance. You have to have it all because your life depends on it. And I like that idea, hmm. you know. And what I like about it even more is that it so beautifully packages and integrates all of this through a progressive, coherent practice that you do within less than an hour. That's very powerful for me. You know, uh, I don't have the time and I get bored as well to do chest and biceps on Monday, cardio on Tuesday, stretching or whatever. And serially, that's serial, you know, that's linear. That's very linear. The concept behind uh, the or Persian yoga, as I call it, is circular. This is circular. Circular is unified and whole. Hmm. It's not end to end like you do it serial processing. You tie it together and you work within all the parameters, you know, and it saves you time. And as I said to you, you know, it's time tested and proven you know it produced results so it's works for me and it's worked for many many people you know you know what watching you do it on your instagram channel on your youtube channel it's it's very stylized it's and 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 synchronized at times i mean you've got music tracks you're playing you're 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 doing this too i wonder how much of pahlavani is of persian yoga is about art and performance and how much of it is a workout yeah, it's both. It's both. Like, that's the thing. Western mentality is very reductionistic. It's trying to bring it down to the single denominator, saying that, for example, this is the one single exercise that you got to do to be, I don't know, get great abs or have strong shoulders or some, like a resilient and strong back or whatever. But, you know, the Eastern mentality or in this uh, instance, the Iranian uh, uh, approach to it is more integrated and holistic, uh, to use a very worn out word. Uh, it's both and you can't, you know, you can't like say that there's just like one way. So, you know, in, in, in essence, what 
has happened throughout these thousands of years is that it, there's this practice that has been refined over and over again. And it's very, very, very fascinating, this uh, process of refinement to really hone and really polish and develop all these necessary skills and qualities that ancient Iranians uh, believed was required by a warrior, you know, mm-hmm. by a knight. I mean, you weren't, you can't call yourself a Pahlavan. This was a title that was given to you, you know. The, this was a title when, when you were seen that, uh, that this is, you reached that stage, people would recognize that and refer to you as a Pahlavan. You don't claim that title for yourself, you know. So uh, there is this process of maturation that you mature through this uh, education. And uh, yeah, it develops all those uh, necessary skills, as I said, uh, for a warrior. And what's not to like about that? Let me, let me ask you specifically about the meals. The, these, uh, For people who haven't seen these and who are only listening to us, not watching us, they're, they're almost like giant pylons or, or giant bowling pins. That clubs, you, they're clubs. Clubs, all right, they're clubs. But, they're, but they have kind of a fat end too. Tell me about swinging these Persian meals. What, what are the characteristics of meals uh, compared to modern Western weights? All right. So uh, the meal is based on the world's oldest, mankind's oldest tool, the club. You know, I'm sure you've seen that uh, movie uh, by Stanley Kubrick, Space Odyssey 2001, how its opening scene is like, you know, he discovers a club and he uses the club. And that's really what separated us. We, you know, we st- I've read studies that says that human beings develop the dexterity and the functionality of the thumb as a result of using a club. You know, so it's definitely mankind's oldest tool and the meal is fashioned uh, and designed after it. And its use is very fascinating because, again, it goes to that circular concept that I uh, was describing to you versus the linear uh, strength training modality that is prevalent in the West today. And to give an example, the shoulder joints, which the meal targets, yeah, all of our instruments are their tools, you know, they're, they're not just dead weights. This, these are uh, tools that we use. Tools, to use a tool, you need to have skill and you need to develop skill to use a tool. It's not a dumbbell. You, you can hear from the name, it's dumb. Like it's, it's, there's, there's, no, there's no point to it other than like uh, lifting it up and putting it back down. Uh, with the meal, you're not just developing strength, you're developing also skill. And the shoulder, as it targets the shoulder, the shoulder can take 3,600 different positions. You, you can't train 3,600 different positions as, uh, doing a linear just with a bench press and then or overhead press and perhaps lateral raises, you know. What happens to the full uh, range of motion of the circle, the full circumduction? To develop strength and tissue uh, tensile strength in your full range of motion and doing that under load resistance under resistance because after all to develop strength you need resistance to do that in uh, full circumduction that's unique and in my experience no other tool offers that it's a lot more economical than 50 different uh, exercise machines that <laughs> are required in modern gyms, right? More for sure. Like uh, one of the uh, great histories about like uh, how the Zulkhane as uh, an institution was developed goes dates back to 
you know, um, pretty much after the Mongol invasion of Iran, where men were forbidden to gather in groups, they were forbidden to carry weapons. And so the Pahlavans, you know, they went literally underground, they would gather in houses, you know, Zulkhane, uh, to train. You need to be efficient, they trained in caves, you need to be uh, minimalistic. And you need to use the tools that uh, it's closely resembled mimics or is exactly like what you would use in the real life. Hmm. So you practice with a meal that is uh, for a healthy adult male in the Zulkhane, it's considered standard to start on a six kilogram pair of meal. So a pair of six kilograms. So three and three, that makes a six kilogram pair. So three kilograms in each hand. And that's, is intentionally made that way because a sword or a mace would weigh around a kilo and a half or something. Uh. So they start you at double the weight, get you used to swinging that for a good 10 minutes, you know, nonstop, to be able to carry on a weapon in a battle that I have read, you would swing your arms in a battle about three to 4,000 times. So it's not 10 repetitions, three sets, right? It's a very different approach. You know, in the videos that I see from various Zulkhanes in Iran, uh, people who perform the Pathavani sport seem to generally be seniors or older folks. Like, we rarely see a lot of young people within them. Why is that? Well, uh, yeah, uh, that's a very good question. And that's actually changing. Uh, that's actually changing, and I'm very happy about that. But uh, the reason for it... I mean, you know, the Iranians, we're very much drawn to everything Western. So bodybuilding came in, uh, CrossFit came in as well, you know, and it's now uh, very big there. And I mean, I was in Iran last time, five years ago, and I would see these, uh, you know, posters of uh, Dorian Gates and Arnold and all these like uh, other bodybuilding uh, figures on the walls, whereas when I was little and I was in Iran, there was pictures of Tahti, you know, Aga Tahti, Ghulam Raza Tahti, Jahan Pahlavan Tahti, you know, there was pictures of him, you know, but that's again being replaced. So I'm very happy about that, that uh, Iranians are, especially the younger generation, and also especially the Iranians in the diaspora, like outside Iran, like yes. returning to the roots and discovering this very beautiful and magnificent art. It was, it was also counterintuitive to see older folks doing it because I, I figure if it's about strength and it's hard to swing these meals around and all of that, that, that it, you'd need to be younger to do it. But it seems like uh, the Zulkhanek can be all ages somehow. Can you explain that? Yeah, and, and that's one of the most beautiful things about it. And I love that fact about it. But I just want to um, backtrack a little bit and say that don't be fooled. These are old lions, tigers, and moose <laughs> that you see. Because they've done this like for a long time in their life, you know. And this was my first encounter with the Zuhane. I was a competitive martial artist. I was ranked, you know, I, uh, I was in my mid-20s. I thought I was super fit, fitter than everyone, you know, and I went to the Zulkhane. This is my first encounter, right? I entered the Goat. Goat is the octagonal pit that's in the yeah. middle of the Zulkhane where they practice. And I'm stepping in there in my arrogance, you know, and all these guys that are stepping in there with me, with me were over 40, 50. Some of them were even in their 60s, you know. I'm sure there was a guy in his 70s as well. Like, you know, and I'm thinking, 
who are these guys, what are they going to teach me, you know? And, uh, you know, the ritual starts with the Shena or Tahta Shena or the push-ups, right? And these guys did 250 push-ups, man. <laughs> I was dead after 50. Like, I couldn't go on. I was on my knees. And um, that's, that's when I fell in love with this. I said to myself, look, if these guys can do that at this age, that's what I want to be like. That's what I want to be like. Minus the Cholokawa belly, of course. But, uh, you know... <laughs> That's that's kind of like what's my aspiration, you know. But and you see that in the Zuchane, and a lot of people comment on that with, and say like, "Oh, these old guys and they're fat or whatever." But they're strong. That's what matters, you know. Men are allowed to enter the Zuchane and practice from the age of seven, and in the same circle, you will have a boy at seven, mm. a senior at seventy-seven. And you will you can have the world champion wrestler, Olympic gold medalist, all of them training together and all of them benefiting according to their level. I mean, isn't that that's magnificent? Like for me, that's huge. You mentioned men uh, starting at the age of seven. Uh, it, it begs the question around uh, the gender exclusivity of this, which is that in Iran, I'm, I'm told still no woman can enter Zuhane and that there are few women who actually practice the Pahlavani sport in Iran. I, I take it you are out to change that. Um, there's no reason why women shouldn't be doing this as well, right? Exactly, exactly. Like I'm the only Iranian... Uh, Palawani teacher who openly shares this art with women and um, you know if you can do it who am I to stop you you know uh, if you want to do it who am I to say no I mean you claim your own glory you know uh, so I share equally with everyone but uh, having said that it's a masculine art you can't go around it like it was designed by men for men and uh, you know not to say that that shouldn't exist for women. I think it does exist for women, especially in the West, you know? Kind of like, uh, paradoxically, what I found is that, okay, in Iran, there is more of that masculine-oriented vibe, but in the West, in the West, you don't find something like this for men. You have female-only yoga circles, and they're trying to now create like male-only yoga circles and whatever. But in the West, it's almost taboo to have something that celebrates masculinity, you know? Interesting. So, um, you know, I, I think, why not? If you can do it, go for it. If you, uh, I mean, as long as the door is open for anybody to, to practice there. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole thing, you know, you'll forgive me for uh, approaching this as a, like a, like a wide eyed kid or something, but I, but, you know, it's just not something I've, I've done. I've only observed it. Uh, even though I've been invited to this one in, in uh, the North of Toronto and I, I'm now really, you know, you go. itching to go for sure. But the whole thing, it feels kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, game of Thrones to me. You know, like it's it's very like uh and 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 when I think about that, I think about this mixture of physical and uh, and performative and spiritual qualities. And then I found out that there there is a spiritual basis to Vazashapala body, right? So can you explain that? In the Palavani culture and uh, uh, philosophy, we don't see a separation between the body and the soul. We don't see a separation and that they're, 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 that they are different uh, entities. We see them as the continuation, the continuity of the same entity being you. You are both body and spirit. Your body 
is gross spirit and your spirit is your subtle body you know it's energetic it's your energy body so you can't strengthen one without the other because you would be unbalanced and lopsided and being a warrior it's um, being a knight it's all about balancing on a razor's edge you know you have to be honed and fine tuned in both those domains the spiritual being and the physical being you know yoga that isn't persian yoga it's is a lot about spirituality so it it only makes sense that this would would be as well uh, kashi what are the i've noticed there's a, there's a singer that's reciting verses during the practice of the workout what what is that what are the verses yeah that's the morshed morshed is basically the guide you know this whole guru thing is very indian you know iranian is more about the morshed or the guide the difference is the guru morshed isn't like quote unquote the master he's not like the perfect person right you know he's someone that's been there done that and he's trying to show you the ropes so you don't make the same mistakes he's a guide he's going to point out the direction to you but you're on your own journey you know so uh, he does that uh in the zurkhane by reciting poetry it can be religious text it can be just songs folkloric songs or whatever and it is a very long tradition and a very long history behind that there have been renowned morshets that have kind of like uh expounded their own teachings and uh, philosophies and there's a lot of them that just use Uh, the rich resource of uh, Persian and Iranian mystical poets such as Rumi and Hafez and Sadi and Ferdowsi, of course, and a lot of others, you know, that they draw inspiration from. And this is goes back to the integration that we're talking about. So imagine you're doing this physical ex- exercise, you're doing this very physical strength-based practice, and at the same time, this dude is there busting out rhymes for you to instill spiritual strength in you as you are exercising i mean that's very, very i mean it's a recipe what is um kashi before i let you go what what has most surprised you about the reaction you've gotten either in australia or from people who check you out from around the world uh, since you launched persian yoga Well, it's been mixed, you know, it's been a mixed bag. I get, I get uh, people that are, I mean, it's, th- those people are growing in numbers that are supportive and, they, you know, they tell me that, yeah, you ride on, keep doing what you're doing, whatever. Uh, but I get a lot of, like, uh, kickback as well from both sides, from the traditionalists in Iran that say that I'm bringing disgrace and dishonor and, uh, you know, shaming our culture and heritage and whatever. Uh, to people in the West that they're like, you know, this isn't yoga, like, why don't you call it something else? And, you know, uh, whatever negative things. But that actually fuels me even more. Like, you want me to do something? Tell me no. Tell me you can't do it. That's that's how I operate, you know what I mean? So... Uh, why would they say you're shaming it? Because I share this with women. Because I share this with Westerners. But here's the most surprising thing to me. It's that authentic people, genuine people appreciate and see the value in this art, not only in what I'm trying to do, but in this art. They connect with it 
through their own authenticity. You know, if you believe in what you do and it doesn't cause any harm, you should share it because there are other like-minded people out there that will value what you do, you know, but you do it for your own heart's content. And that's why I'm doing this. It's really, um, it's really interesting, man. Like the, the, the intent of this show is, has been, uh, and continues to be finding this connective tissue that we all have. Those of us of Iranian descent, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter what age we are, no matter what we, what gender or sex we are, no matter what our occupation is, uh, somewhere in the world, and it is it it warms my heart that there's this guy in in Sydney, Australia, who is practicing and preaching and teaching this um, ancient Persian art form and finding success doing it. Uh, so thank you for that, and thank you for the conversation. Thank you, too. I really enjoyed that conversation. I really hope to meet you in person. That would be wonderful. And I uh, wish you all the best uh, in what you do as well. Thank you for shining a little light on uh, what I do and keep shining your light on uh, other people that will contribute to this connective tissue, as you called it. I like that term. So thank you for those of you who listened and watched this as well. And uh, as we say in Zulkhane, Khasta Nawashid and be tireless with what you do. Khasta Nawashid. Merci. Khodafis. 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 Kashi Azad, he's the owner of PersianYoga.com and a popular social media instructor of the ancient fitness art of Pahlavani sport. We reached Kashi in Sydney, Australia today. Microphone's back on for uh, Captain Reza Gurvishai and the fabulous Keon. You know, I always feel like uh, whether it comes to when I was doing yoga, uh, I always, I know this is controversial, but uh, I, I always think the instructor should be, should look like somebody, like I want to aspire to look like the instructor, uh, mm. you know, uh, because that convinces me. If, I'm, if I've got a trainer or something, I want them to be in really great shape, you mm. know. So when I look at this guy, Kashi, you know, I think, yeah. well, maybe I should do this, Pat Levani. Uh, I mean, he looks great. Yeah, you know? it looks fantastic. Version I, yoga. I, 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 you know what? what I, I want to share a story with you guys. I, Here when I was go. in grade nine. Apparently, we need to settle in. <laughs> when will the story begin? <laughs> no, I was into this. I was into yeah, it. No I was way. into pa, like the Zur Khunan. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like in Iran. In, in Iran, yeah. As a kid, how old were you? I was grade nine. I was okay. in grade nine, and then like that was when I there was a World Cup for like uh, wrestling in Iran. Hmm. So I got like oh, I was seeing all I, these wrestlers. I, yeah. I wanted to be like them, so I went into like wrestling. I learned how to wrestle and stuff like that. Went into Zur Khune a couple of times, and then the, and then I got my body. I got cramping all over my legs, so I quit. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, well, uh, actually, Kashi's your homeboy here. He's from Shiraz. He is from yeah. Shiraz. Yeah. yeah. I know. And the series Pahlavanan Don't Die. I Pahlavanan think yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah, was that was that too. There was yeah. a show. There was a series in Iran. It was a fa like a fictional one, but about that period in Iran, like back then when uh, Pahlavani and Zurkhunan and stuff like that was very 
uh, oh. common. Yeah, yeah, it took place. Like I'm in- so fascinated by this. I really find it. I mean, I find it very interesting. There's a. I, I mentioned that there's a place in Richmond Hill in, in, in north of Toronto, mm. uh, and I, I should give them a shout out because mm. I didn't do it during the interview. I mentioned it to Kashi, but I didn't say it's called Zurkhane Sarva. I think that's how you say it. Zurkhane Sarva. Uh, they have an Instagram handle that is that. It's Zurkhane uh, underscore Sarva. Um, it's a guy I know, a Morteza Zorabi and Doctor Sanoz Ghazi, and they started a. a Zur- I think it was like a. A Taekwondo studio or something that they've converted when they do the mm-hmm. Pahlavani into kind of a, um, a Zurkhune. And but you know what they told me is uh, 60% of the people participating in this Zurkhune are women. No way. Yeah, it's really? predominantly female. I think partly because one of the founders is a female, Dr. Khazi. But uh, yeah, so. Because I always thought of it as a very masculine thing well, to do. And you know, mm, of course. So like, That's what so uh, Kashi was saying. So yeah, I'm yeah. But. Uh, uh, I mean, they also. Uh, I think Mortaza makes the 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 meals mm-hmm. in in uh, different Sizes? weights, you know. So there's okay. for beginners yeah. or for somebody who doesn't want to so lift too, too much. Yeah, but absolutely. And uh, I loved the part where Kashi was talking about uh, the older guys. Uh-huh, that, uh, yeah, 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 the yeah, older like man, even with the cabal be- belly, you know, and he's like, "This guy's not strong." And then it turns out the guys can do two hundred push-ups. Yeah. And that's awesome. that's the. It's so interesting because we think of where I went in my brain. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that Kashi himself looks so good, mm. but we think of physical fitness in in terms of airbrushed images on men's fitness magazine you know mm-hmm. we we don't we or or the aspirational look of people in our gyms right. and stuff but we don't so you don't see some of these people like if when i see the videos of zuhanez in 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 iran i don't think that they look like they're in yeah. shape and yet they're super strong very and they're strong. it's very interesting yeah. i had no idea there was a whole history to this like it's uh, what year was it started did he mention that i don't think he did no. um where there was a king that mandated that every soldier has to go through this Training. That's so yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah, it's for Sasanian dynasty. Sasanian dynasty. Yeah. Oh wow, that's. I have to get it. Now, would you do this, Kian? I would try it. I'm. I'm. You know, intrigued to learn. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's you know what what's this all about? What's the I point, think maybe basically? if we bezan some of uh, Reza's kubide <laughs> <laughs> and then all go to the Zuhune together, it, <laughs> yeah, could, it could cause some yeah, <laughs> cause some consternation <laughs> for those around us. But he said something that was very true. Like it's it, when it's fun, it doesn't feel like a workout. It's not it's not repetitive. Like it's it's when you go to the gym third like the third day, you get bored. You don't want to go there anymore. But yeah, this, although, is, this seems like an activity. Like it's but fun. this seems really structured. Again, I guess I have to try. It because yeah. this to me also seems very structured. Any you know, it's like you can do a bunch of different things at the gym, you know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I quite so. get we should, the, we should do a rook outing once it, once the gym opens up. We'll, do, we'll go to the <laughs> Zurchune. <laughs> Shaya at the Zurchune. Yeah. Oh, great. I'll to see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, let us know your thoughts out there about uh, whether you go to a Zurchune and uh, and your thoughts on Persian yoga and beyond uh, info at rookmedia.com or of course post at any of our platforms uh, and let us know info at rookmedia.com all right what is it it's thursday next monday mm-hmm. shirin nasiri joins us for a feature interview uh, in the meantime we'll see you on clubhouse tomorrow night at 8 p.m uh, do iranians respect the creative class or whatever modification on that question that i'll uh, come up with we'll see you at that point it, that's friday at 8 p.m 
Uh, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon. Did, did you have more to say, Keon? No. Oh. Do, you, do you want me to no, say more? No, I thought you were poised at the microphone. I thought maybe no, I had, I was, I had No, uh, but there was one thing I forgot to mention. No, the entrance. To, no, this is regarding fun fact about Zurkhune, actually. Okay. I remember this. Because I always wondered, like, the entrance to the Zurkhune is very small. It's like a little teeny tiny gate that you have to, like, bend over to to enter basically because it's it's very low super low and i was all i, I asked the more shed over there like at zurkhone and shiraz i was like why is this like why don't you guys like make it bigger so people can walk in he's like because we want people to bow down and enter and oh. respect this place because this is a place of respect uh humbleness and uh wow. another thing that he said i mm. forgot it was it's all about that was integrity. two weeks before you quit that was <laughs> that, it, it was that day that i was like Reza, Reza, Reza Reza bows down to nobody <laughs> too much respect too i'm out of here yeah. <laughs> respect, uh, that's I'm it that's that's full time for for rook for today uh remember to become a patron for our program you can just go to our website rookmedia.com and press on support us. $5 or $10 a month makes a big difference to us as we largely crowdfund this project. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Producer Susan Ponce and the artist Thoughtful Negin, the fabulous Keon, Savvy Roham, Alaymer Dodd, Master Muhammad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there who are already supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe on any or all of our platforms if you've not done so well ready find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi Mizunbashi